boy. You're welcome. You spot it. Yes. Oh! <laughs> you can't shoot this round. You're like, uh, you need to, you can direct. Hello and welcome to Lost in Sci-Fi and Fantasy. I'm your host, Leo, and today we're going to be talking about the books The Pyramid by Sean Carney and The Oticus by Tom Reed. These are both um, podcast books, I guess you could say. Um, the Oticus is an adaptation of a D&D's for Nerds uh, D&D campaign of the same name, I believe. Also, I believe it is the Oticus. Um, and the Pyramid is not based off of anything, but it is written by uh, one of the co-hosts of the podcast Scaredy Boys. Uh, both of them are, I believe, part of the Sans Pants Radio Network. Uh, a network that I have a deep and ever-growing um, love for. I love their content. I love what they do. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm always excited for what they're doing next. There's some confusing, like, behind-the-scenes marketing and whatnot that is con happening there. I have no clue what's going on, but that that's for them to figure out. But these books, <laughs> uh, the, the Oticus is part of, ironically, a thing that I learned of in a bit of a weird way, because I kind of had the same idea of adapting one of their podcasts to a book. And I was like, I sent them like a, a thing, uh, and it, it, it all was a bit odd, but they were like, Oh, you know, we kind of, we're kind of already doing that. I was like, Oh wow. I guess, you know, independent thoughts that that's, that's always a fun thing to happen. <laughs> and so I, I was very excited to read it when it came out to see like, you know, is it pretty much the same thing as my idea or is it slightly different? And I'd definitely say it's, it's slightly different. And I guess, we could start with that, but I, a little bit of background on the pyramid is I basically bought it on a whim. One of the hosts of D&D's for Nerds, Jackson Bailey, was talking about how he's excited about it. And I was like, you know what? I'll get, I'll give it a shot. Why not? So I ordered it and I was like, hey, it's a small book. It's a great time to read the Oticus too. So I, I kind of just paired them together because they're both fairly short and decided to, to read them back to back. I actually started with the Pyramid and then went to the Oticus. They're both very short books, very short reads. Um, let's get into it. <laughs> so let, let's go ahead and start with the Pyramid. I'll go with the order that I read them in. So the Pyramid is a horror story thing. The, the back of the book reads as thus. Um, Harry's wife is dead. His daughter, stationed at a research base in the Himalayas, doesn't know. Communications are down and no one has heard from her for a long time. Too long. Harry must journey out in the heart of winter to bring her home. But danger and tragedy collide upon his arrival. His daughter won't leave. Her colleagues are on edge. And... The worsening storm threatens his life. And despite all that, 
something far more sinister lurks on the edge, sorry, edges of every conversation. At the roof of the world, how deep are the secrets buried? You know, that's a that's actually a really good like back of the cover. It also has this little poem thing that kind of reoccurs throughout the story. It is, they do not fear, they cannot hear. They do not feel, they are not real. They cannot see, they should not be. You know, it's a very nice, cool, mysterious thing. Sets the tone. Gets you kind of inkling in. Now, when I first read that, you know, the back of this, I, I was expecting a kind of H.P. Lovecraft thing. Like, you know, he he's going through these mountains and he's going slowly insane. Or he comes across a facility that's long abandoned. Or, you know, you know, there's so many different ways that the story could have gone. I guess that you could say are a bit stereotypical. But it goes in so much a weirder direction than I could have ever expected. This book, I think, would have... would have benefited from being longer to help build the tension. Because literally, like, a couple of pages in, it goes fucking balls to the wall. Like, literally, like, page eight I'm on uh, I'm looking at right now and it's I don't know oh, well page eight is technically page two <laughs> and page three like it, it's it, it just goes fucking ham immediately so the, the basic plot is Harry's wife has died and you might not get it from the back of this book but he's trying to get his daughter to come home to kind of bury his wife to, to hold a funeral and his his daughter has refused so he hunts her down so he talks to the company figures out vaguely where she's supposed to be and then like just goes on his own for some reason. Uh, like he doesn't even have like a companion or anything. He just goes like the book opens on him just in the snow, having a bit of a shit time. And like, I was expect like you could have done like five chapters of build up to this, but he decided just like, nah, <laughs> fuck that. You're in media res. You're fucking. Oh, I'm, I'm going to try to leave out some of the stuff for now because, it, like I said, it goes balls to the wall immediately. But he hunts down his daughter, goes to her research facility, and is basically just trying to get her to leave to you know do funeral stuff to to say goodbye. She doesn't want to because she's busy working. She feels like she's on the edge of greatness, you know, that kind of thing, and refuses to leave. So he is about to leave when um, stuff happens, and he then it just kind of roller coasters all the way to the end. <laughs> like I said, it's a very short book. It is. Let me pull it up real quick. 
104 pages. Technically, it's only about 100 pages if you, you know, skip the fact that, you know, the way publishing works. But it, it's only 104 pages. Very short. A brisk read. Um, don't read it if uh, you're squeamish. <laughs> There's no pictures or anything except for the you know, very you know pretty cover. But don't read it if you're squeamish, because it is a lot of graphic detail, um, and a lot of it happening to, uh, spoiler alert, from here on out, uh, to children. A lot, a lot of horrible things. Like, nothing sexual, but it is graphic violence. Very, very graphic violence. Page three or four technically eight and seven of this book is him coming across a dude just fucking butchering children in the middle of snow like a snowy mountain and you know his reaction is kind of justified although he does not go nearly as far as you think he would um basically the dude is able to talk his the dude that's absolutely butchering children is able to talk his way into surviving very long into the story basically uh he is a preacher uh like for some reason like this research base has like a priest um there and he is is killing these children's uh reciting the poem on the back of the book. They do not fear, they cannot hear. They do not feel, they are not real. They cannot see, they should not be. Uh, so he he's reciting that <laughs> the entire time. And it's very uncomfortable. But basically the guy survives this. Uh, he, he kills all of the children in his company uh, save for one girl who in a very graphic description uh, has her eyes pulled out uh, and her tongue I believe is like I think her tongue is like damaged or something it, it's weird then then, like, he, the priest offers to escort him to the facility, pretty much as the barter ship to stay alive. And in doing so, they, like, literally, like, the next page, they're at the facility. Um, the priest is locked up uh, in, like, a detention area of the facility. Um... And then the dad just kind of like moves on. The, the the little girl is taken into care to be like bandaged up and everything. And the the dad finds his daughter, discusses with her and everything about needing to leave and whatnot. Refuses, so he decides to start. He pals around for a bit. Starts getting ready to leave. And also while doing so is trying to um 
get to know the kid. He then gets to know a doctor in the facility. Then he, he gets ready to leave. But then the military show up. They, like, destroy the helicopter, you know, from leaving. They show up, kind of take control of the facility, and, you know, pretty much put the place on lockdown. Uh, afterwards, he, the, the main character, then decides to try to escape. He rounds up the little girl. He rounds up the doctor that he'd gotten to know. And they try to leave, but, you know, he, he then decides to go back because of what the priest was saying. Because the priest was, like, alluding to, like, oh, you know, there's a bunch of crazy shit going on. Like, he, you, your mind would fucking explode. And you would want to kill them, too. And so, he kind of comes to uncover, you know, what what it is. What's the big secret? The answer is... His daughter has been making clones. But these clones are um, special. So they're, they're supposed to be empty vessels. That when a person dies, their consciousness is supposed to immediately be transferred into a new body. The military want this, of course, because... Like, I mean, the plan doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but the idea is, you know, a soldier gets shot and boof, they are immediately put into a new body and are then able to, you know, kind of move on. Um, and it turns out that she's been doing some experiments. Uh, and... It turns out the daughter uh, kind of killed her mom. Because what happens is if you activate a clone while the person that has been cloned is still alive, they are put through a very painful, very traumatic death that... Uh, is like their soul is being pulled out of them and whatnot. Because early on in the story, she asks her dad if, you know, she went peacefully. And her dad lies and says yes. But then later, during this revelation, it's like, oh no, she died horrifically. And it was very traumatic for both her and him. And the little girl that he's been, you know, assisting... Uh, is his wife, but in a, a kid's body. And she she is so far the only successful experiment. Because every other time that someone has been put into another body, they kind of revert back to that age. They don't, um, they don't maintain their consciousness like they're supposed to. But for some reason, her mom did. And her theory is that it's because it happened kind of mid, uh, mid uh, while she was still alive. Uh, but that's not the case because the priest also gets forcibly um, ejected, I think. He either gets forcibly ejected or he is killed. 
I can't remember which, but he pops out as like a, as a kid that just has the memories of a 10 year old. So it, it's very, <laughs> it's very weird. In the end, the military guy, uh, pretty much like shoots his daughter, shoots Harry's daughter. And in order to try to save her, they put her into a new body. Uh, and they like thought that they killed the military guy and they're like sitting there like, Oh, you know, we can start fresh and whatnot, even though we're all kids. Cause Harry also dies and is put into a kid's body. It's a very fucking weird ending. Uh, but so they're like, Oh, you know, we can start again and whatnot. Th- this will be okay. But then sh- their daughter gets fucking shot again by the military guy who then they, they kill. It's very weird, very depressing ending, especially when you think that that's where the book ends. So now it's just two like 10 year olds in the middle of the Himalayas. Like what the fuck's going to happen next? Who knows? Is it a good book? Kinda. Like, it's written fine. The characters are okay. The problem is, the book is too short. So you don't really get to actually know the characters much. The book would have benefited heavily from being longer. It's one of the rare cases where it's like, this should have been more. Because it would have given more of a chance to build up the tension. To let you know more about who you're following around. To let you have, you know, more stakes. To to maybe be able to put one and one, and one together. And maybe solve this weird ass mystery. But no. You're introduced and child murder. It's fucking weird. And the the whole thing behind the the saying is that is what they are told, what the um, people working at that facility are told to keep in mind is that that they, they these are empty, like they do not fear, they cannot hear, they do not feel, they are not real, they cannot see, they should not be. It's supposed to be a coping mechanism for the people working there to kind of, you know, move aside the morals of the situation. And some of the people took it as kind of, took it a bit too far as to like, oh, you know, when they're actually occupied, they're still nothing. So it's fine to just kind of get rid of them. And that's what the priest was doing at the beginning is he was trying to purge it as much as possible uh, but yeah, <laughs> a bit of a downer start, but yeah, again, it's, it's a book that would benefit from being longer so that you could actually get to know the characters, learn a bit more about them, but overall it's fine. If you heard all of that, I pretty much told you all of the story, but if you're still interested, it's okay. It's fairly cheap. It's like nine bucks, something like that. And he he is, like, this is one of his first-ish short stories. 
I think he's written a couple of others, maybe. But I would say give it a chance. If you like kind of weird horror stuff, it's not bad. It's just very uncomfortable. <laughs> but anyway, moving on from that, let's go ahead and move on to the next story, The Oedicus. Uh, as a bit of a refresher, The Oedicus is an adaptation of the series, the mini-series, um, The Oedicus, for D&Ds for Nerds. Uh, the mini-series that they did, it was when they, back when they did seasons, they used to do seasons of the show. Uh, in between, they would do little short uh, side quests is what they they used to call them, where you kind of follow a different thing. And there was like a cute little intro thing where they started off as their characters from the previous season and kind of, you know, bump transition kind of thing. It, it, it's cute. Uh, <laughs> But the, the podcast itself is fantastic. Uh, I don't know if it is readily available on, like, just for free. Because I, I first listened to it as a, a bonus that was added to their audiobooks on tape. Because <laughs> a lot of podcasts around that time were releasing them on these little USB cassettes that I absolutely love. I have a ton of them. Uh, but basically the story is, it's just, um, it's Moby Dick, but with an airship. Uh, and you're, you're following the crew around as the captain kind of descends into madness. This book is, it's fairly close to what I was thinking of doing. Uh, it's less a direct adaptation of what I was doing, but you can definitely tell it kind of follows a similar thing. Uh, the issue I have with it is it does my least favorite thing a book could do, and that is not clearly state when you're switching perspectives. So one second you're following, uh, oh crap, the, the character's names are hard to follow. It's Nathaniel, uh, Ira, and Atticus, which is very annoying. Atticus's name is really fucking annoying because it's very close to the title of the book, The Atticus, which is also the name of the ship, The Atticus. <laughs> so it, it, it's a little bit annoying there but um you'll be following nathaniel uh one moment and then all of a sudden uh slap in the face you're now following ira uh then punch in the gut and now you're following Otticus. and there's no rhyme or reason it'll it'll hop between the three at a, a whim's notice and i think it's because in general that's how the podcast was going you know they would follow one person, then hop to the next person, hop to the next person to see what's going on. And uh, one character might just be missing for a, a large chunk of the book. <laughs> but overall, I think it works okay as an introduction. If you can't uh, access these uh, episodes, which I think you can, I think they're actually available free on the Sandspants website. I'm not 100% sure on that, though. Uh, 
Um, it's it's a really good adventure. The only issue is um, the 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 transition or the uh, adaptation to book does kind of remove a lot of the fun. So I would definitely say if you haven't listened to this specific series before, I would definitely recommend you read the book first so that you can kind of get a feel for it. Then listen to the podcast to kind of see how it really, really is. Because it loses something in transition. Going the other way, you kind of feel a bit disappointed in the end. At least I did. Like, it, like it's not bad, but I did kind of feel a little bit disappointed reading it. And again, annoyed because of the hopping around. Now... The overall story, again, it's pretty much just, it's the basic story of Moby Dick. You know, Mad Captain is pulling, you know, Mad Captain is on the hunt for a very specific creature. And during the hunt, you know, pretty much causes a lot of strife amongst the crew. In this case, it's, you know, with D&D monsters and whatnot. Uh, the, the character is Flim... The, sorry, the captain is Flim Bap Bap. Brilliant name. But he hires these heroes to pretty much just kind of keep an eye on the actual crew, which is just a bunch of homunculi, which are about, like, frog-sized, slimy creatures that just kind of mush themselves to get stuff done. And they, they, you know, do that job with varying levels of interest. And while going, they notice that there's like this big cloud of creatures uh, that they're flying towards. They notice that um, Flimbabab's kind of avoiding gnomish territory uh, and they're flying towards these creatures. They end up flying into the creatures, which are arrowhawks. They fight the arrowhawks, and the arrowhawks were actually attacking a griffin. They um, kill the arrowhawks and the griffin, and then Flimbapap's kind of motivations are revealed. I'm, I am going kind of full spoilers here because again, it's it's a fairly basic story, uh, and it's revealed to be. That he he is he, he kind of accidentally let loose uh, the gnomish king's um, favorite pet and has had to kind of hunt it back down, which is a white griffin. Uh, the one that he had they had killed was luckily only its mate, and that one didn't matter. But they need they need to not kill the the main one. They go on trying to find the white griffin, and eventually do. Uh, and then things kind of go a bit crazy. There's a, a, a pseudo-mutiny that ends up happening amongst the passengers, because it's also like a cruise ship. And then uh, our crew kind of mutinies against Flimbapap. They end up killing the white griffin, and then the story just kind of ends. 
I can't remember if any of these characters reoccur at any point or if like anything from the story comes up again. I don't think it does. Um, if you're curious about the, the episode series that I wanted to see adapted into a, um, book was I want my favorite series of theirs is the merchant of grape birth trilogy. Uh, it is my favorite because of two things. One, the series it's named, like it's named after one of the characters. Um, uh, it's, it's great birth, the merchant from the town of great birth. It, it's lovely. Uh, he dies in the second season, like at the very beginning of the second season. And it is my favorite thing. Like he comes out of a portal, ends up running into a bear and just fucking dies. <laughs> it, it is one of my favorite things. And then from then on, he has, he, he then shifts characters, um, to, uh, I believe the character's name is Garmin Electric or Darmin Electric, who is the mayor of Grape Birth. So it kind of still works, but they, they, they kind of just kind of move along. The first series of it is them just kind of having a, a rotating cast of guest stars, which I like. So it's, um, I actually think the, the main person going along with Jackson Bailey is Tom Reed who play who wrote this book so it's a bit of shame that they didn't do merchant of great birth but it's a rotating cast of characters that um just kind of pops in for like a episode or two to do like an arc and each one you know has a dungeon and a dragon you know so it's you know satisfying the whole dungeons and dragons thing um that they have to, you know, deal with. And at the end, they, you know, kind of walk away. And then the next time they get a new cast member in. It's, it's, a, it's a lovely time. So I would have preferred to see something like that adapted into a book. But I can't really complain all that much. Because overall, the Oedicus being adapted is fine. There's a few writing issues I have with it. Like some of the pacing is just off. Uh, some of the, like, I, I would have preferred if they had expanded a bit on it because some things can feel very dry and then the hopping around kind of gets annoying. Uh, and also it's like weirdly narrow on the, like, the, the, it's getting a little bit nitpicky, but like looking at the page, like the book itself is kind of oddly wide for how like thin it is. And then you open it up and like the typeset is very narrow, like as if it was written on a phone, <laughs> not to say it was, but, um, yeah, it, it's very narrow for some reason. And I don't know why there's a lot of page real estate that is not being used, but of course, if it was used, it'd probably be an even shorter book. This book clocks in at 107 pages. So that's why I kind of paired them together when I was reading is because they, they were both fairly short. In fact, I read, I believe, The Pyramid in a day. I just sat down, read through all of it, and I was done. 
the Oticus, though, took me a lot longer because I was more familiar with, of course, the source material. So every time I would read that the images that would come up when I was watching the or listening to the podcast kept coming up. And afterwards, I did just kind of end up listening to the podcast after I was done reading it, and it was much more cathartic. And then, of course, I listened to one of their even more deserving of a book adaptation um, series, uh, Jaren Outpost Hustle and Jaren's Outpost Rumble. Two of my favorite series of theirs, in which uh, basically it goes so wrong so fast and it's so beautiful basically in the Jaren's Outpost duology what happens is all of these characters are kind of separate and have their own motivation for doing this thing um for I, I can't remember exactly what they're I think they're trying to get hold of yeah they're trying to get hold of a gnomish super weapon all three of them have their own motivations for doing so. One person, it is their duty to do so. Another person, um, they've been asked by um, the mob that they're working for to do so. And the third person, the best person, Gregory Piss, um, is doing so because uh, he has a lot of debt. Like, so much debt. That he has to repay. He's trying to like marry into someone. Like into a family to get rid of the debt. But he's, he's just having a fucking terrible time of it. So. As they go through with their motivations. They kind of run into each other. Interact for a bit. Uh, and then Greg Piss just fucks off. And he just starts putting together this beautiful like, mastermind plan to solve all of his problems in, like, a cascading, like, thing. It's beautiful. And I would highly recommend you listen to it. That would be the Jaren's Outpost Hustle and Jaren's Outpost Rumble um, series. And those I know are free to listen to. Because they're fucking amazing. <laughs> and I really hope that Greg Piss rises again. It's so good. So good. Uh, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> moving on from that. Um, that That's all, about all I can really say. Because sadly, the, the Oticus does not leave as much of an impression. You know, the, the pyramid, it like hits you hard and hits you fast. And, you know, kind of pushes you through it. Well, the Oticus is kind of slow and, you know, bumbly. But it's meant to be listened episodically. So it does kind of hurt in book format. And sadly shows me the error of potentially adapting it into just a book. I think that's partially why um, The Adventure Zone has found more success. Uh, because the Adventure Zone was able to be adapted into a comic, and it works really well as a comic. Yeah, so, overall, they're okay books. May I definitely proceed with caution when, uh, when looking at either of these books. One, because, oh my god, it's very graphic. And the other one, because, um, 
listening to the to the series itself is probably better in general. <laughs> I haven't actually listened to D and D's for Nerds itself in quite a while, uh, and there, there's one specific series that I really want to listen to, but I I have a fucking huge podcast backlog to get through. In fact, one of those podcasts that I have to eventually work my way towards listening to just the first 10 episodes of is Scaredy Boys, uh, you know, where the author of The Pyramid is from. Uh, Anywho, thank you guys so much for listening. I will see you guys next time. Um, Goodbye.